before we get started, my name is Jordan. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I really just wanted to echo uh, Amber's words of what she just said. It's so important that we understand just the complexity of Mother's Day. It is one of the best days to celebrate uh, the irreplaceability of mothers and all they have done and all of the beauty of motherhood and what they do uh, in society for us and how much our mothers mean to us. But we also want to recognize that it's not always uh, that easy and that clean of a slate for people, especially for people whose mothers are no longer here or you may have a difficult relationship with your mother uh, or maybe you, maybe uh, there's been miscarriage after miscarriage or maybe your life circumstance prevents you from having kids right now and you really want to be a mom. Or maybe you have like a mixture of both, the super high and the super low. Uh, and wherever you are today, if you have a lot to celebrate, if you have a lot to mourn, uh, or some combination of both, uh, we uh, grieve and mourn and celebrate with you, alongside you. Uh, today we're talking about one of the biggest topics in all of religion, uh, how to hear from God. Now from the gate, uh, I thought that it's actually kind of odd that we even have to talk about how do you hear from God. If you think about it, that God who created the entire world created communication. If there's somebody who's supposed to be the best person at communicating, it should be God. So why then is it so hard to hear from the best communicator this world, this universe has ever known? Now, there are times when we just want to know what does God want us to do, and we don't always get easy answers. So we try to get inside God's head, and there's a couple of things that we all do or may have tried back in the day. Uh, you might not want to admit it, um, but here's what my go-to move was back in the day. When I wanted to know what God wanted me to do, I would take a Bible, I would make the bed, because it doesn't work unless your bed is made, and I would drop it, and your elbows have to be even. If they're not even, it doesn't work. You drop the Bible on the bed, and wherever it opens up to, that's the word of the day. Anybody ever done Anybody brave enough to admit that they've done that before? Now, I can't front. I've done it like 100 times, and it didn't work, but then one time, it actually did kind of work. So, Needless to say, that is not a reliable method on how to hear from God, uh, no matter what page it opens up to. Uh, but sometimes, we just want to know what God is saying, and we want a clear, definitive answer to what God might be asking us to do. Now, here's what I know. I know that there are a lot of decisions that you have to make. There are a lot of things that you've probably prayed about that you want an answer to. You want to know that you're going to go in the right direction. You don't want to take a job. That's the wrong decision. And you want God to let you know, what is the right path for me for my career? You don't want to miss out on opportunities. You want to know where God wants you to live. You don't want to sign a lease on an apartment and then next week find out there's a rent control spot with outdoor space that you missed out on, right? You want God to speak to you clearly what is it that he wants you to have, where you should work, uh, where you should apply, when is that next paycheck coming, uh, when is Mr. or Mrs. Wright going to appear. Uh, these are big things in our life that we don't want to get wrong. Now, even if you're new to church, even if Christianity is not your thing, uh, even if you're just kind of checking this out or you came with your mother today because it's Mother's Day and you kind of had no choice, um, I bet there's been a time in your life where you've wanted to know, God, if you're real, let me know uh, what I should be doing. God, would you lead me in whatever direction I should be going? And some of you guys are here right now, and that's what you actually came to church hoping for. You woke up this morning hoping that God would answer your prayer. You woke up this morning hoping that God would meet you and that God would direct you and that God would lead you in the direction that you are supposed to be going. So how can you and I know where God is leading us? 
How can we know where God is leading us? Now, being led by God doesn't happen normally in these random, mysterious, explosive ways, but most of the time it happens in the ordinary rhythm of a soul that's clinging to God. That's where we're going today. Being led by God normally doesn't happen in some random, mystical, explosive way, but in the ordinary rhythm of a soul that's clinging to God. I'm sure you've all heard stories about someone who prayed for something, they wanted God to do something, and then they got the best answer ever. Uh, They were praying to God about a money problem, and then all of a sudden their boss comes in and says, hey, I got this $30,000 raise for you. Do you want it, right? Nobody has to pray about whether or not they want that answer, right? When God opens a crazy door for you, if God splits the Red Sea, then walk down it. But for the other 99% of the time, when there's not a, a very clear answer, Uh, You and I need to know how to navigate this world, and more importantly, how to hear from God, how to be able to follow God's leadership. Now, before we get into any of the meat for today, uh, I first wanted to say that what we are not talking about is some formula that you have to do in order to hear from God, right? If you approach God like a vending machine, if you put this much money in, if you press the right combination of buttons, if you say this, dress like this, go here, do that, then God might hear from you if you got the formula correct. Hearing from God is not like going from the, to the DMV where you have to fill out a bunch of paperwork, stand in line, pray that you fill it out correctly, or else God will send you back to scratch. Anybody who watches Martin, you would have gotten that. <laughs> Being led by God normally doesn't happen in random, explosive ways, but in the ordinary rhythm of a soul that clings to God. Now, all throughout history, men and women have longed to speak to God, and there's times in Scripture we see that God has spoken directly to people, like Moses in the burning bush. Anybody ever heard of that? That God appeared to Moses in the bush and spoke to him, called his name out, uh, and had a conversation with him. All the times that obviously Jesus walked this earth and all the people who were able to walk next to Jesus. Now, I bet all of us have thought, like, wouldn't it be amazing if I could walk down the block and, like, the tree in front of my block would just start calling my name? (laughs) Or that if I could just text Jesus real quick and be like, Jesus, they offered me this job. I don't know if I should take it. And then you see those three bubbles light up on the iMessage. (laughs) Jesus is hitting you back. How amazing would that be, right? Now, Jesus says something in Scripture that is mind-blowing, and it's something that I've heard, I've read, I've preached on, and I don't know that I still understand it uh, fully, Uh, but here's what he says in John 16 and 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. It's better for you that I'm not walking alongside of you, Jesus tells his disciples. It's better. It's better than you having a burning bush. It's better than you having Jesus walking beside you, that the helper or the Holy Spirit is better than both, because Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit walking and living inside of us. Jesus promises us to the the Christian, anyone who's placed our faith in him, that when you place your faith in Jesus, Jesus does not hand you a map to follow on your own. He places the Holy Spirit inside of you to guide you. The Spirit's presence inside of us will be better than Jesus walking next to us, Jesus says. Now, there's a couple promises that Jesus gives us in Scripture, and each one of them is pretty amazing. Uh, And I'll read them briefly and unpack what they mean and how we can hear from God. The first promise we get from Jesus is in John 1, 12 and 13. Jesus says this, 
But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Not some, but all. Everyone that has placed his or her faith in Christ has been given the highest honor as a child of God, and your past is no disqualification. And since you are God's child, Jesus promises us that God ain't no deadbeat daddy, and that he promises us in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Here's a promise that we've been looking at this whole series and a promise that I hope you take to heart today. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is what Jesus promises us. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan to guide yourself. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan to direct yourself. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan to raise yourself, to care for yourself, but I will come to you. Uh, I mentioned a friend last week that adopted a, a boy from an orphanage in South Africa, and she mentioned that one of the biggest adjustments that he had to make was that he didn't think that, uh, that his mother, who just had adopted him, uh, was paying attention to what he was doing. In the orphanage, he was used to running in a pack of however many children, and unless they were like taking matches and about to light the place on fire, uh, as long as they were alive and safe, that was basically it. But nobody was really paying attention to him, to his needs, to his wants, to how his day was. No one was really nurturing him like a parent nurtures someone. And then he got to my friend's house, and he moved in, uh, and then he was shocked that she could see the stuff that he was doing. Like, yo, you can see me doing this? It's like, yo, it's me and you in a one-bedroom apartment. Of course I can see when, you're doing, when you left Doritos on your bed, bro. I can see that. It's right next to mine. Now, as an orphan, he didn't have someone paying close attention to him. No one that was raising him directly. There were people who provided care, but not people, and people who provided protection, but not people who were intimately invested in his day-by-day, minute-to-minute operation. This is what Jesus promises all of us, that I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you to figure it out by yourself, that I know what's going on in your life. I am paying attention to everything that's going on in your life, and I will lead you, and I will guide you. And Jesus does that through the Holy Spirit. Last week, we mentioned something that I think is worth repeating. Uh, We don't expect children to raise themselves. We don't expect children to discipline themselves. And we don't expect children to know better on their own. To a large degree, we put that on a parent. We put that exactly on the parent. And when Jesus promises to not leave us as orphans, he's promising us to raise us, to steer us. And in the same way that we would never expect a three-year-old to figure life out on her own, uh, but rather we would expect her parents to be there. We would expect her parents to be there, to be attentive to her, to guide her every step of the way. One thing I love about Harlem is just how friendly everybody is uh, and how much people notice your child and they stop you, stop you in the street to talk to you. One thing I don't love is when people give me unsolicited advice on parenting, especially older, la- older ladies. They're like, where that boy hat? I'm like, it's July. He doesn't need a hat. <laughs> Mind your business, too. I didn't, say that. I didn't say that last part. I thought it, but I didn't say it. Hey, we expect parents to be attentive to everything that their child needs in their life. But for whatever reason, even when Jesus promises us that he won't leave us at orphan, as orphans, we still think, kind of in the back of our mind, that God has left us as orphans to figure it out by ourselves. 
So we devised these formulas on how we can hear from God, what we need to do, uh, what phone line we need to call, uh, what church service we have to go to to get this direct line to speak to God, because for whatever reason, we don't believe that God really wants to parent us, to raise us, to lead us, and to guide us. So we get the final promise that we're going to spend the rest of time on today. Uh, It comes from John 16, and Jesus is talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit, and here's what he says. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Now, we're going to spend the rest of today talking about how Through the Holy Spirit, does God guide us into truth? How will the Holy Spirit, if you place your faith in Christ and God has given you the Holy Spirit, how does the Holy Spirit actually guide you into truth? Uh, And I think the first thing uh, that we need to mention is you and I need to make time. You and I need to make time. Now, I'm going to be quoting probably very liberally uh, from a book, uh, Discerning the Voice of God from Priscilla Shira. Uh, If there's anything that I say that sounds really deep and good, then just assume that I took it from her. Um, here's what she says uh, about making time. Listening to God is a purposeful activity that we are supposed to start doing. It is the investment of time we must make in order to yield the spiritual dividends of wisdom that we so desperately need. The Bible tells us to incline our ears toward him, to draw near, and to listen. Now, a lot of our inability to hear from God is simply because we have crowded our lives with so much stuff that there is no room for God to get in. And let me say this, I do this a lot. Uh, There's always so many things that uh, I could be doing. um, And listen, I love this church. I think this is the best church in the planet, or at least the city of New York. Uh, Maybe just this block. We're definitely better than (laughs) the other churches on this block. All of 121st Street, I'll say that we're better. Hey, but even with all of the great stuff going on in this church, there's always five or ten things that I can think about. And you guys probably have noticed some of those things as well. And when I start to think about all the things that we could be doing, we need a better leadership pipeline, and what's our formation look like, and all these different things, I'm starting to, I start to second guess myself, and I start to get worried, and that usually sends me into overdrive. And I start to do a whole lot for God, and it starts to crowd out my time with God. So much so that when you ask me how I'm doing, I'll tell you what I'm doing. Because I'm just spending so quickly, working so much, my mind is always thinking about what I need to do that I don't spend time just to sit and to be with God. And it's something that when I'm in these moments, it's always a time where I'm not hearing what God wants me to do. I'm not hearing anything because I'm so crowded. My brain is always spinning. I'm always in overdrive, and I don't have the space to hear from God. And Psalm 62 and 5 says something uh, that when I read it, it really deeply convicted me uh, because I know how often this is not my case. Uh, The writer says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. And I started to think, how much time do I I wait for God alone in silence? There's a story of a young man who lost his job, and he started growing desperate about where that next paycheck was coming from, and he's talked to an older preacher, and he says, I begged and begged and begged God to say something to help me. Why doesn't God answer The old preacher who was sitting across the room spoke a reply so quiet that the young man was unable to hear him. So the young man comes closer across the room. He says, what did you say? The preacher repeated himself again in a soft tone, 
So the young man moved again even closer um, until he was leaning right in front of the preacher's chair. Sorry, he said, I didn't hear you. And with their heads bent together, the old preacher spoke once more. Sometimes God whispers, so we will move closer to hear him. Listen, the same thing is true with God. Our hurried moments and rushed requests don't cultivate a life uh, spent with God. In his book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster writes, superficiality is a curse of this age. We live in a world of shallow relationships, superficial conversations, hurried moments of prayer, too much television, and too light of commitments. Now, I've thought about this a lot this week. Like, if we had a really big request, then, like, even if all I gave God was 38 seconds, then why doesn't God even answer me in those 38 seconds? And I think God doesn't answer us a lot of times because that would be to our undoing. It would be actually to our harm. C.S. Lewis says it like this, God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. A lot of us are searching for happiness and peace outside of God and God's self, and it's not there. And a life that God wants us to have is a life that's cultivated uh, of being still before him, of spending some time and learning who God is. Now, we've mentioned this a number of times, uh, that we're doing this thing at Renaissance called Community Bible Reading, CBR, and let me, let me just come out and say that I know some of you guys, you bought one a couple months ago, and there's dust all over the cover of that joint, right? If you blow it, you'll get allergies all over again. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to go through your calendar, and I want you to, to delete some stuff, because your calendar might be too, too crowded as is. And I want you to purposely, intentionally, Carve out time to spend time with God. Now, we have some CBRs out there for anybody who doesn't have one, and there's instructions on here how to go through it. You go through a chapter, a day of Scripture, and you spend time reflecting who is God, and then how am I living or not living in result of that, and what do I have to be thankful for to God, and then spending some time asking God to transform you. If we don't spend intentional time to hear from God, we will likely miss what God is trying to tell us in our lives. And I wish we can give each other a shortcut. I wish there was a seamless app on how to get answers from God, uh, but it doesn't exist. There is no prime now with God. Now, the second thing you and I really need to know on how to hear from God is we need to understand that God's leading in our life is never compartmentalized to just one specific area. It's never compartmentalized to just your job or your relationships or your money, whatever the case is, but it is comprehensive over our entire lives. Uh, oftentimes, we get really laser-focused on an answer, and God might be trying to speak to us something else. Uh, God's leadership over our life is comprehensive, and it never can be compartmentalized to just one specific area. Now, I think that when Jesus was promising us that we wouldn't be orphans, uh, Jesus was promising us that God will raise you and guide you just as a parent guides and raises their kid. Now, anytime a kid goes up to their mother and asks for a scoop of ice cream, uh, the mother will do this 100% of the time. You'll consider what that kid had to eat earlier. If that kid ain't been eating nothing but Sour Patch Kids a whole day, of course you're not going to give them ice cream later, right? It's never limited to this one request in one specific time, but it is looking comprehensively at the child's entire life. And God is the same way, that when we come to God, sometimes we miss what God is saying because we're coming to God so laser-focused on one specific thing, and God is trying to tell us something else that is really formative for us and something that we really, really need to hear way before God will give us an answer to this. One of the things that I've been able to do in the last couple of years is mentor a lot of guys who are planting churches all over the city and in the country, 
And one of the things that happens often is I'll be talking to someone who uh, wants like this strategic plan on how to do something in church planting. Um, uh, There's one guy, he came to the office, and I noticed that he was really hurried and really anxious. And I was like, man, before we get to any of this stuff on church planting, any of this stuff, dude, how's your prayer life, man? Now, because I was a mentor to him, it would have been negligent of me to just ignore something that was pretty obvious in his life and just move on to what his requests were. And we spent the majority of the time, if not all the time, talking about his own spiritual formation and the ways that he didn't trust God and the ways that he was really struggling. And that was way more important than any conversation we could have had about how do you, you know, write a grant or something for, for money for your church plant. Now, oftentimes, there are stuff, stuff that we come to God for And God doesn't need to give us an answer to that because we're not even ready to hear it. And there's other stuff well before that we we really do need to hear. In John 16 and 12, Jesus tells his disciples this. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. And And Jesus stops and he doesn't even tell them. Listen, there's some things in your life that you need to know that you can't stand to handle just yet. And God will might be speaking to us about the things that we really do need to hear right now. And if we're so laser focused, thinking that we need this one answer from this one specific area in our lives, we could be missing out on the fluid conversation that God is trying to have with us. And this is especially true for the planners in the room. Those of you who love your five and your 10-year plan, hey, listen, a five-year plan and a 10-year plan, it's great if you can have one. Uh, But oftentimes, if you try to import that into your spiritual life, That is an Americanized individualism that will drag you away from God. Sometimes our prayers to God are ways that we can try to avoid God himself. We want God to give us the 20-year plan to lay out everything right in front of us so that we won't need to be dependent on God. And God will not answer those prayers because we cannot have happiness or peace apart from God because it does not exist. And we need to understand that God's care for us is comprehensive over our entire lives, and that maybe you're really wanting an answer about one thing, but don't think for one second that God might not be trying to speak to you in another way and to make yourself available to listen to what that might be. Now, the third thing that's really a great foundation is that God uses, and the Holy Spirit uses, Scripture to guide us. And uh, listen, there's some questions in life that Jeremiah won't answer, right? But primarily, the the number one tool that God uses to to guide us, to lead us, is Scripture. Priscilla Shira says it best. She says, sometimes we don't hear a clear, direct answer to our most pressing, pressing questions every time I'm quiet before God. There are many times when I leave with nothing more than an awareness of God's nearness and his care. But that in and of itself is often the answer that I didn't know that I needed. In the ordinary rhythm of life spent in Scripture, we hear from the Holy Spirit and how uh, he guides us. A couple of weeks ago, I was listening to this leadership podcast, and um, they started talking about, like, how should the church engage with social media, and what's a good leadership pipeline so that your church can develop leaders, and what's a good discipleship structure, and all these different words and terms. Um, and I was like, by the end of that hour of that podcast, I was like nervous and anxious because I'm like, man, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Uh, so I went on Amazon and bought like 19 books. <laughs> and um, I, I finally got all the books, and I was really anxious and spending a whole lot of time preparing for when I was going to read these books and having planning sessions and all these different things. And nothing is wrong with wisdom or getting, uh, reading some books. Uh, 
But then I sat down one day to do my community Bible reading, and I read 2 Corinthians 1, and it's a line that you probably read a thousand times that you glanced over. But for me that day, that was a leadership from God, from the Holy Spirit that I needed. It was one line. It says, Paul, an apostle by the will of God. That Paul was in his position and ministry, not because he uh, had applied for the job, not because he had everything figured out, but that it was the will of God for him to be in that exact position in ministry doing that work. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment and said, Jordan, you are a pastor at Renaissance by my will, not yours. And since God, through his will, put me there, then it would be God and his provision that would carry me forward. Now, I didn't learn that day uh, a better leadership structure or pipeline or uh, how the church should engage with social media. I didn't learn any of those things that day. I didn't get those questions answered, but I did get the question answered that I really, really needed, that God had desired for me to be in this position, and that God, if he thought it was a good idea, then it's a really good idea, and that I could trust that God would lead me forward. And I was able to get up from my desk, and I wasn't anxious, and I wasn't uh, racking my brain trying to fix everything that I can see in front of me, but I was simply able to trust in the Lord with all of my mind and lean that to my own understanding and trust that in all my ways, if I just acknowledge Lord, the Lord, he will guide me. He will direct me in all of my paths. Now, the ordinary rhythm of life is oftentimes when we hear from God uh, and, and things that we might not have known that we did need, but in reality, those are the things that we need the most. All right, but I still haven't really answered the question, right? There's some stuff that Second Corinthians ain't going to tell you, right? There's some things that uh, a good time and quiet time might not give you the answer for, uh, and you do have pressing questions. Should you take this job? Should you move in here? Is this dude Bay or not? Is he somebody you need to avoid, right? <laughs> There's a lot of questions that you need uh, to answer, and here are some of the best ways that I know how to figure out if something is from God, and these are not uh, this is not a formula, but rather, I think these are guardrails that keep us in the lane of going in the direction that God wants us to go, all right? So these are not, these are not a, this is not a formula. These are guardrails to figuring out, are we going in the direction? Are we on the road that God wants us to go? And the first question is, is something scriptural? Um, I, I went to a, a church in North Carolina before uh, when I was in law school, and uh, the pastor had this big vision about what God was telling us to do. Uh, we were going to raise money and buy a building. And he had a thermometer up on the wall and, and everything. <laughs> and then about a couple months later, he says, the Lord told me not to do it. And he took the money and bought a Benz. Seriously. It was nice, too. I'm not going to lie. It was nice. <laughs> hey, the Lord will never tell you. The Holy Spirit will never move you to act in a way that is unethical and against Scripture. And the first question we have to answer always, this is always the first question, this is always the most important question, does this violate a command in Scripture? Does this violate an ethic of Jesus that we see in Scripture? If it does, then it's very likely that it is not God's will for you to do it. No matter how bad you want it, no matter how uh, great the outcome might be, if you have to sin to get it, it's not God's will for you to have it. Now, the second thing uh, is a test on whether or not something is wise. Is what we're doing wise? Is what you're thinking about doing wise? Right? Should you quit your job to pursue a singing career? Not if you can't sing. <laughs> Nobody's buying your mixtape if you can't sing. Nobody's buying your album. Nobody's streaming that joint on, on Spotify. Nobody's doing anything 
if you can't sing. If you can't sing your way out of a wet paper bag, don't go into singing. It's not wise. Now, oftentimes, there are things in our life that we, uh, we think about doing, uh, and we wonder whether or not it's wise, and we have, you know, we, we pray about it, we think about it, uh, and we, you know, ask the question, should, is God leading me in this direction? And oftentimes, it's just not a wise thing to do. It's not directly sinful, right? You can't find a specific scripture that says, don't do X, Y, and Z, but it's still not wise, one of the things I see a lot as a pastor is when uh, couples, they're trying to save up for their, their, they're engaged, and they're trying to save up for their wedding, uh, and they're saying, hey, pastor, you know, we're praying, we're thinking about it, we're about to move in together so we can save money, what do you think? And this is what I usually say, I say, listen, I don't buy double stuffed Oreos and leave them in the crib. I'm not that strong. If I see double stuffed Oreos in the cabinet at whatever time of the day, I'm going to smash the whole bag uh, <laughs> It's gone. It's going to be gone like in two days. Uh, and whatever, it doesn't matter how many diet books I read. It doesn't matter how many blogs I, I, I read. If you put them in front of me, I'm going to eat them. Listen, if, if your goal is to abstain from sex until you get married, and you're saying, we're just going to move in together, I just don't think that's a wise decision. You're probably not that strong to abstain. You're probably not. Now, the question of, is this wise, is often a question that a lot of people jump over to get to some mystical thing, but wisdom is from God, and we see it in Scripture, in James 1 and 5, it says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God will give anybody wisdom who asks for it. If there's something going on in your life that you have a question about, a great answer would be to go to God and say, God, I need wisdom on this. Now, the third thing, after you have asked uh, the question, is this scriptural? Is this in line with God's will that we see in scripture? Uh, Is this wise to do? The third thing that you should do is to ask trusted friends around you uh, about what you're deciding on. Now, this is a really, really important part. You have to ask your friends this, the trusted people, people that will tell you the truth about yourself, people that won't just be yes men or yes women in your life, uh, but you have to ask them before you get really excited about it. Here's what's happening. A lot of times you get so excited about a new job or a new person in your life, and you tell your friends, this is the greatest job ever. This is exactly what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. What do you think about it? And of course, they're not going to be honest. They'll say like, yo, as long as you're not killing nobody, then hey, go for it. <laughs> or they'll come up to you and say, this, I love this guy. Or I love this girl. He or she is absolutely perfect from a head to a toe. She is absolutely perfect. Hey, what do you think? Now, unless you are a real jerk, you're not going to answer honestly, right? Uh, as long as that person is not a serial killer, you're just like, yo, I mean, they're cool, right? <laughs> if you really want honest feedback from people, you have to involve them in your decision early on. You have to bring them into the decision as early as possible uh, so that they can speak honestly and truthfully into what you're doing. And you want to know something else? A lot of times we don't involve our friends in decisions early because we, don't, we know what we don't want them to say. We don't want them to, to know what's really going on, so we'll cover up the bad stuff, and we'll, then we'll invite them in after we can kind of fix some stuff on our own, and then we'll invite them into the decision after the decision has actually been made already. Listen, one of the things that will save you so much heartache in figuring out what direction you should be going in is what are your friends, the, the godly people around you, what do they have to say about it early on in the process? And here's what we see in Scripture in Proverbs eleven fourteen. It says, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. 
in an abundance of counselors, in an abundance of godly people around you, there is safety for your decision-making process. Now, this is why we've mentioned that your walk with God might be personal, but it's never individual. Your walk with God is definitely personal, but it's never individual. God has not left you by yourself to figure things out, but that uh, it's always wise to have godly people around you to involve in the decision-making process. Uh, Years ago, uh, Jessica and I wanted to go to India. Uh, She had a a friend that was getting married out there, and um, this was while the church plant, uh, we, were, we hadn't even launched for services yet. We didn't have any kids, and she was like, yo, this is like probably the last time where we don't have any responsibilities. We don't have a church that's meeting every single week. We don't have no kids. We should go and just have a really, really good time. But I was really nervous about leaving for 12 days, and I was like, man, we had been working so much, and uh, we were about to launch in like two or three months, and I was just so nervous. What would happen if we left for 12 days so I went to a trusted friend, a pastor friend of mine who's older, has a little bit more grace than I do, and I said, hey, man, Jessica's bugging, yo. She told me she want to go to India for 12 days, right? She's crazy, right? And he was like, Jordan, uh, listen, I can sense the anxiety that you have, but if what you have worked really hard for will collapse in 12 days, then what you have built is a pile of garbage and it needs to come down. I don't, my friends aren't nice. Hey, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. Me and Jess went to India. We were doing the Bollywood dances. We were, uh, and we had, a, we had a great time. And it was one of the best decisions we had made, partly because up to that point, I realized in our relationship, all we did was talk about the church. We hadn't had any time away from Harlem. We hadn't had any time away. We can just talk to each other and be friends again. And that trip was a, was a great inspiration for us to just become friends and to talk about stuff that's not related to the church. And actually, that was one of the turning points in our life together. Now, if it wasn't for him, to be perfectly honest, I was going to find ways to guilt Jessica to not going. I was going to like, listen, it's Jesus. I mean, we could do Jesus' mission. <laughs> or, I mean, we can just be selfish and go on a vacation. I mean, it's your choice. You decide what you want to do. <laughs> hey, but thankfully I had a trusted friend who can lead me and and guide me in a direction that I I really, deep down, absolutely needed to go. And one of the things that would be best for you is to involve people in your life that can help you in your decision-making processes that will call you out, call you out and let you know what's really going on on the inside, and that might be some of the godliest, that might be how the Holy Spirit is leading us. But here's the good news in all of this. You and I have missed God a thousand times. God right now is doing 10,000 things in our life, and we might be aware of three of them. Jesus still promises us, knowing that you would miss out on what God is trying to do in your life, knowing that I would miss out on what God is trying to do in my life, Jesus' promise is not conditional on how great you have done. His promise to us is that I will not leave you as orphans. And in the same way that a mom would never leave her three-year-old because a three-year-old didn't get it on time, Jesus promises us that I'm not going to leave you. You missed it. Jesus will, will be with us forever, which is why we see in Scripture the, 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 one of the biggest proclamations that is probably the best news we can ever have, that Jesus will never leave us, he'll never forsake us. Once you place your faith in him, he will not leave because you're a little too busy or you're a little too hard-headed, because you got it wrong uh, last week or two weeks ago or the last year or however long. Now, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to blow the dust off your CBR or whatever Bible reading plan you have or whatever daily devotional you have, 
whether it's one of those little Al Daily Bread little booklets that you're, you got when you were in 1985 or something like that. <laughs> Whatever it is, and I want, you to spend some, I want you to make an intentional effort this week to spend time with God. Now, the CBR is a great way that I do it because it's really accessible for everybody, but it might not be your thing. It's just one tool out of, a, out of many. But do something. Pick a scripture and meditate on it. Go on the internet and just type in best scriptures and then just meditate on that scripture for a couple minutes and spend time in silence with God and say, God, I want you to lead me. And quiet yourself. Take your cell phone away. Uh, Quiet the distractions and allow God to lead us because Jesus' promise that the Holy Spirit will lead us is as good as gold. He will lead us. He will guide us. He has not left us to ourselves. Let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, uh, so often we're fearful that you have left us as orphans to figure it out on our own, or, or we have been so busy that we've crowded you out, or we've made excuse or one thing or another. God, I pray that we would this week uh, just be awakened a little bit to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we'd be sensitive to whatever it is, whatever direction he's leading us in. God, I pray for boldness to do whatever it is that he calls us to do. God, I, I pray that you would show up in our lives this week. Uh, may, maybe it's only going to be in an ordinary rhythm. Maybe it not, might not be the answer that we wanted to hear, but let us hear the answer that we need to hear. Overall, God, help us to trust you. Help us to trust us, trust you, that you loved us enough to die for us. So, of course, you'll love us enough to speak with us. Bless us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.